0: Left.
1: Right. Yo, what is up? Welcome back to the second episode of the Futurist Sessions in Sip Talk. Uh, This episode, I think, is very cool. We're still talking about the future. we got another one upcoming after this, so if you listen to this one, make sure you catch the next one and you've already caught the previous one. If not, go back, listen to episode 94. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I want to know your thoughts on the future. And I will see you on the other side. This is Sip Talk grab a drink and enjoy cheers cheers cheers, cheers. cheers. We're live across the board here. This is episode 95 of SIP Talk. My name is Justin DiGiulio. I'm a real estate broker in Midtown Manhattan. I'm joined on the top by David Boswell, the political scientist out of Sacramento, California, and on the bottom by James the Bosnator Boswell, philosopher, accountant, professional referee, and bartender. James, your audio is pretty, I'm sorry, your video is, is pretty crisp. Um so I'm pretty Yeah, maybe I should that.
2: turn down the quality on my video. So that way I can get <laughs> No, I'm serious. Like
1: Well, look. So we're uh, we're live. I'm going to pour myself a drink. Today is we're recording if you're watching this live, it is 420. That is National Marijuana Day. Uh I'll be partaking in a little cocktail. No weed for me. Um but I think a lot of people a few years ago would have predicted how uh, marijuana is going to be increasingly legalized across the U S and I think it's going to continue to become more and more legal. Uh, But today we're talking about the future and we're talking about kind of this five-year mark, the 25 year mark and the 50 year mark, because technology tends to accelerate the preposterousness of your predictions kind of decrease the further out we go with time. So uh, do you guys remember we left off talking about sex uh, internationally and the decline of sex and the decline of birth rates, especially in Asia?
2: Well, it's a pattern that you see with pretty much all countries is that as they industrialize the, the birth rate goes down and stabilizes, um, But you still want it to be at least neutral or slightly positive. And there's some countries that have negative birth rates, Japan being probably the the biggest example.
1: Well, we were just, David and I, before we were on air, we were talking about Japan and what did you call them, David? Uh, Dutch wives. The Dutch wives. And could you tell everyone what a Dutch wife is?
0: I can. So the Dutch sailors, uh, East India Trading Company, the Dutch, uh, they went on a lot of really long trips by boat. So they 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 kind of made do with whatever they could find, usually like bundles of clothing, and made it into a very primitive form of a sex doll. And when they went to Japan, it it really caught on. And uh, to this day, <laughs> the Japanese sex dolls are sometimes referred to as Dutch wives. So
1: Dutch there you go. To East India Trading Company. Now, th- these sailors would construct their own sex dolls out of rags and cloths. And uh, do, you have any, do we have any pictures of this that we can share? Maybe Raj can look one up and, and we can open that photo for the live are, here. Th-
0: those are two separate questions. Whether or not we yeah. have pictures and whether or not we can share them.
2: Yeah. Well, well, just, also, I'm whether curious, or not we should. Like, I'm, I'm curious, pictures these, exist. Do you want to see them?
1: Are they communal? Or does everyone have their own? It's just a really—I don't know. People get desperate at it. See, uh, you know, I've uh, never really been to jail, so I'm sorry, prison. I've never been to prison, so <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know really know how desperate people can get. But um, but yeah, I imagine in the future there's going to be a lot less sex, much lower birth rates, and a lot more. I mean, look at the. Takeoff of OnlyFans over the last year, uh, I think pornography is going to. That's go because worse.
2: people have been at home with nothing to do.
1: Well, that's going to with with time. People aren't going to be commuting to jobs anymore. People are growing less and less social, uh, and I, I really think on a social level in the future, people are just going to be paralyzed, um, just in terms of like social fear and things like that. I'm al- you're already seeing that. People don't know how to behave. People have less and less interaction between each other. Um, And I've noticed a lot lately that people just don't fucking get along. Rosh, it's Dutch wife. Um, But what do you guys think on that? You think there's going to be a lot less sex, considerably lower birth rates, a lot more virtual sex in the future?
0: Even before the pandemic, sex rates were going down. You have the lowest uh, rate of teen pregnancy in the last 20 or 30 years. And that's not because of sex ed class. That's part of it. But people even outside of high school and college are having less, less casual sex. It's just not happening quite as much uh, as it used to.
1: Yeah, well, why do, you, why do you think that is? I think it's because people are <sighs> more socially awkward. I think that, and I mean, not that some people aren't out there having lots of sex, but I think in the future, we're going to see a lot a lot of people having very little to no sex and then a smaller amount of people having lots of sex and well that's the pareto more, principle the pareto principle what is that
2: um better known as the 80 20 rule where 80% like 20% of people have 80% of the sex
1: okay um that's not it's specific really, to okay. sex though, is it? Is that just what? a general principle? It's a principle? general
2: principle of like 80% of, of some quantity is produced by 20% of the producers. Yeah, but so not, you can not just specific. Look at this of like 80% of income is earned by 20% of the earners. 80% of like your plants will, uh, it, I'm sorry, like 20% of your plants will produce 80% of your crop. It's, okay, but it's the Pareto a great principle that...
0: has been around a
2: lot longer than this decline
0: in sex rates. So that doesn't yeah, really, but it's have not much. Specific I, sex, I don't, but... I don't, well, I don't see what it has to do with the fact that our rates of casual sex or just any sex has been declining. 80, 20 rule doesn't have anything to say about why it's declining. It's just a general thing. So
2: I don't see what well, that it's more to do, respond but... to justice. Kind of like, there's still going to be some people that are having a lot of sex. So like the 80, 20 rule yeah. is going to hold.
1: Well, but I'm saying, but what I'm saying is, is go it's down. going to be, is it's going to be ninety ten and then ninety-five-five is kind of the direction I see it going in. But something you just talked about, you talked about uh plants bearing fruit. I want to talk a little bit about GMO, and I want to talk about meat consumption in uh in the future and what your guys' thoughts are on that. I'm a big fan of GMO. Um I don't particularly like organic food I'm not against organic food but organic and GMO are not uh, um, they don't really go together you can have you can have GMO organic food right and you can have have,
0: it depends on how you're defining organic like the honey crisp apple is something that was artificially selected it's it's not something that would ever have shown up in nature but for I think it was one of the northwestern universities uh, maybe like Wisconsin. Um, it was their scientists who created the Honeycrisp apple. Well, now, if you're saying organic isn't no chemicals, no—that's what I mean. Uh, yeah. Pesticides, organic growing conditions. It's there's no strict definition for what organic. Well, is. What you, it's not a government set term. It's different trade groups.
1: It generally just means no chemicals. Yeah, uh, and GMO means
2: right. But who's to say what a chemical is?
1: Well, and that's that's what David's saying is that it's very loosely used now. GMO is, and and the reason I'm I'm trying to define these is because most people just assume organic good, GMO bad. Pay more for organic, avoid GMO, but they know very little about what they are, and I think that's the case in many sectors of just the economy and society. But like I said, I'm all for. GMO foods. I like bigger, brighter, fatter, more flavorful foods. And that's achieved with GMO. Uh, now, there's two aspects of GMO. There's GMO where we crossbreed species of plants. And then there's GMO where we crossbreed species of plants in a lab. And I think the fact that it can be done in a lab, and when it is done in the lab, people get turned off and, and they're very fearful of this because they think people are playing God to some degree.
2: Well, there's also with GMO, there's kind of two ways that it's been used. Um, There's, and I think GMOs suffered from some poor marketing because the first way is companies will create GMO foods where like the plant, where you can, where, where the plant doesn't produce seeds. So that way, like farmers have to buy new seeds every single year to, to have to carry that plant. So it's a way for seed producers to just be able to make money because the farmers can't, create their own seeds after the first year well,
1: so you have a com- you have a company that that gives you seeds for a fruit that doesn't bear seeds so the downside is you have to buy seeds every year and this company is in control the upside is you now have seedless watermelons and i don't i don't know the last time you ate a watermelon with seeds in it it's for me it's been a long time you just don't come across them anymore but when you get a watermelon with seeds in, it, you're like fuck there's a lot you guys spit all these things out i just
0: swallow them now it's also a little bit more per- perverse in the case of Monsanto, because there's certain pests that they have developed a pesticide for. They've genetically engineered this crop to be completely resistant to said pesticide. Any other plant is going to get wrecked by this pesticide, so you have to buy the seed because you have to get the plant that's not going to be affected by the pesticide that you have to buy so that the pests don't eat your crop. So they hit you both times. They hit you on the pesticide, yeah. they hit you on the seeds.
2: Yeah, and that was the company that I was going to reference is Monsanto. But so there's there's negatives to GMO there, but there like there's also positives with GMO where like there was a a grain of rice that they found a way of like modifying so that it had a higher protein count, and I think it had more like vitamin A maybe. But you can make, yeah, you can make normal foods much more nutritious without like affecting taste or growing or anything else so and people get scared of gmo for the same reason that they get scared of any other science that they don't understand
1: and that's that's what i'm getting at is people are afraid of it but they're not even they're just stopping at i'm not interested i just want to be afraid (laughs) which is insane um but they're not actually understanding what they're afraid of like they're just avoiding it completely um, and we talked about with CRISPR and we're talking about genetically modifying people like that. So you're playing a bit more of the God hand there, but we've been genetically modifying foods for, for many, many, many years. Um, pretty much. Well, anything- and you could
2: ask the question, you can ask the question, what's the real difference between GMO food and the practice of crossbreeding plants?
1: Well, that's, that's what I was going to get at. And it's, exactly the same thing it's just that one is done at a bit more of a microscopic uh dna type level in a lab the other one is just done because plants will do that on their own when you crossbreed plants and crossbreeding plants is gmo and it's responsible for almost all of the produce on the shelves in any stores and a a lot of the meat you know um
2: if you can if you can do gmo with animals so that way you don't have to pump them full of antibiotics and hormones to get them to grow the way that you want to grow then it makes food overall healthier because you're not eating hormones and like there's a huge problem with bacteria like antibiotic resistant bacteria right now is not necessarily from usage in humans it's from usage in agriculture
1: well, let me ask you this: Have you ever seen a wild turkey? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever eaten wild turkey?
0: Couldn't catch it. They're fast. <laughs> they're fast.
1: But people shoot wild turkeys, and they're considerably smaller, a lot less breast meat, and they're much gamier. I've drank right. wild turkey. What's What's the difference between a wild turkey and a turkey that you can buy in a grocery store that was raised? The same uh, thing. The same thing we've done with bead. dogs
0: food their food input and their ability to exercise
1: well but also the, the same we you know their bread uh you know and they have been bred to be larger more meat producing and yes obviously their nutrition is there but you can't just pull a baby wild turkey off, off the side of the highway and start feeding it well and just keeping it from running around a lot and it's going to taste or be anything like your turkey that you can buy in the grocery store
2: no, probably not.
1: Right. Yeah, it's it's been bred, which breeding similar type animals is basically genetically modifying something you're doing with plants.
2: Yeah, it's just a slower and more inexact process.
1: Yes, inexact, but I mean, exactly. Um, all right, my thinking also on meat in the future. I really think we're going to have some big developments in... Uh, Meat that doesn't come from animal sources, lab and grown meat. Lab grown meat, and I don't, I don't necessarily mean a hamburger made out of beets and and you know sawdust. I mean hamburger that's <laughs> that's made out of hamburger that's made out of basically steak, and the steak is not from a cow, but you wouldn't you wouldn't know the difference. Just like they're able to grow, they're now. Uh, I was watching a video earlier today about 3D printed organs, which sounds like a bit of a reach given the 3D printing technology now, but I can envision it in the future. Um, But if you're able to produce organs in a lab and put them in a body and they're really indistinguishable from the actual body parts, you're able to create similar animal like products in a lab. And I imagine that's where the majority of our meat is going to come from in the future. They,
0: they, they cut the price was 10 years ago. It was like ten, fifteen thousand dollars 15000 to cultivate a pound, which they, they, they could do. They recently, in the last year or so, got that down to a couple hundred dollars per pound. So still way oh, outside of affordability, but they're. I thought we were in the huge. double digits now. You could very well be right, but they have just slashed by exponential factors how much it costs to grow meat in a lab, which is, I mean, there's. It's gonna take some time to get people over like the the weird factor because I'm I'm open to it, but still, it's like that's kind of weird. But
2: well, if you're not told about
0: it,
1: well, yeah. that's that's kind of where you You'd know, have to you, do
2: blind taste tests.
1: Yeah, and and I'm sure you're gonna have Burger King, you know, like people blindfolded at Burger King tasting one and then tasting the other, being like, I can't tell the difference.
2: The Impossible er um, Burger.
1: <laughs> I mean. The, I don't think when you eat a hamburger at McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King, you're you're like going for the flavor of the beef. So Or thinking about
0: where it came from. I'm actually actively trying to not think about what is in that hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> this like tastes the, okay. Let's not think about it. Like, like the,
2: I, really, I think if you're eating at McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King or whatever, you've already kind of given up on several other life decisions.
0: <laughs> I, I hate having
2: McDonald's for lunch because
0: The rest of my day is shot. I'm not doing anything.
1: Usually the only time I eat fast food um, is when I'm having a really shitty day already. But I happen to like fast Mm. food. You know, I I think for the most part, it tastes good. But uh, it's definitely not healthy. And you're not going to feel great and lively after
2: you eat it. Nope. Um, I want to change subjects to something that's super topical today. But I'm going to lead into it with this question. What do you think the future policing is?
1: Ooh, it's not going to be like minority report but you, you're going to
2: have got a, a minority report right now
1: you're going to have a huge amount of surveillance
2: uh, uh, i'm talking about minorities getting shot
1: okay yeah well but you I think also gonna...
2: have algorithms that send police to people who have
0: fallen once off of the the straight and arrow they send cops out to like continually harass them and check in on them because an ai program says they're most likely to have an offense this week, and they'll go and there's I can find the story, but it was a 17-year-old kid who had in two months 45 visits from the cops, just all super harassing, and of course he was minority because that's well, how it works.
1: But but just like you now have uh, speed cameras and tolls on roads and license plate readers, you're going to have an incredible amount of additional surveillance. And it's not just going to be on the streets. Uh, I don't think they're going to hack people's personal networks, but maybe there'll be some type of tax credit or something like that. If you're, you know, if you're stringing, streaming your ring camera to the public you know, to the public data or something,
0: but well- It depends on what country you're talking about, because if we look at China, all of this is happening right now in really, really weird ways. They have what's called the social credit system, where they're constantly under video surveillance. They have really pretty uh, sophisticated facial recognition. So if they see you litter or cutting in line or anything, they might say, hey, you just lost your your privileges to fly domestically. Now you have to take the train or a car, or you can't leave the country at all. It's really, really Orwellian China has. Yeah, all and the like, that you're talking about right now in space.
1: But but I think I think that's the stuff we're going to see more of until you know I think there's gonna be a certain amount of pushback from the general public, um, and people who kind of opt out of this. I have a feeling for a, a while it's gonna be opt in, opt out, and then a couple of generations later it's just gonna be everybody opts in. Um, but you know, just like your browser data being shared and tracked like honest people who give a shit about that like what do you you either you either have something to hide or you're just you know a bit extra in in my opinion but the well the track, that's
2: a fallacy though because like if you have nothing to hide you have nothing to fear i, I don't see like you can still fear things even if you have nothing to hide because There's value in privacy and being left alone.
1: Sure, but there's also value in, you know, having ads pop up for stuff that you want to buy. You know, so there's a trade-off.
2: Value to the advertisers.
1: But value to you, too. I like buying things that I'd like to buy. And when I get a recommendation from Amazon or an ad somewhere about something that I might be interested, in, I'm like, "Oh shit, this is cool." I'm not like
0: fucking hey, The system made me buy
2: this. Well, oh, it kind of did because you didn't. It no did, iOS. and I'm
1: not mad. I'm not <laughs> mad, bro.
0: Like,
2: what about what about any of the number of times that we've had conversations in your apartment, and then like the next day you get a whole bunch of ads for all the stuff that we were talking yeah. about while the, your devices were supposedly asleep.
1: Has, has that actually happened, or is this hypothetical?
2: That's happened to me twice on two
0: separate occasions. One, we were talking about cricket for Grandma and Grandpa. The next day, I had an ad. It was an Amazon ad for a cricket phone, and I didn't type anything on the phone. We had just spoken about cricket. Last year, around Christmas time, I was with my friend Colleen. They're talking about different presents they're going to get for their. Uh, they got for their family. One of them got the little uh, light case, like phone disinfectant case with the UV. Seems frivolous, but that's what he wanted. So she got it the next day. I had an ad that. On. And now Rosh is going to have all these different sex spells popping up across all of this. Different <laughs> different-
1: oh man, no, that's that's terrible <laughs>
0: for him. Um, see, that uh, cuts against your point. He doesn't want to be it. a winner. No, it could be because then he'll see the variety and get the best price. But for anyone who Hey, can I can I check the the stores on your phone? Yeah, ESPN. Dude, why are there so many ads
2: for sex dolls? This is just this is just sex dolls. Rash.
1: But I like I, you know, Twitter. Well, it's
2: also like there was a there was a post on Facebook a long time ago where someone said like, well, look at this. Now Facebook's advertising exclusively like things for gay people or whatever." And then everyone's like, y- "You know that they they recommend those things based on like your history and everything. It's not Facebook it's advertisers looking at you um, so someone kind of outed themselves with their paranoia <laughs> nice.
1: uh, so look I want to I want to we're talking about tracking real quick I want to go back real quick to um, we we're talking about sex because I want to I move on from that entirely cross off my list what do you think is the likeliness to have uh, children limits so I know China. Um, China already does that right
2: they they backed they, off of it because it really didn't work well for them.
1: It worked, it worked very poorly because everybody wanted to have a boy child. Um, what, were, what were the what were the implications? What were the biggest downsides with the one child limit in China?
2: Well, you you touched on one of them, which is that. In Chinese culture, like the men are the ones that earn the money and everything. And also like when people get married, the, like the females have to pay the male's family. So there's strong economic incentives for having a male child. And so if you can only have one and the incentive is to have a male child, then there was a lot of female infanticide um, because people were like, oh, I'm not having a girl. Um, and then there's a lot of downstream effects from having a very skewed gender bias
1: yeah, well, that, I mean, it, what it really inflicted on the Chinese was this gender bias that created a lot of issues, and that that was the backfiring of the one-child situation.
2: Um, Rosh is saying that they relaxed the one-child policy under the new policy. Families could have two children if one parent rather than both parents was an only child. So now it's like a one-and-a-half-child policy, I guess.
1: yeah. Um but that's an interesting uh tweak on that.
2: But it was still a bad idea and had a lot of negative effects on them.
1: But how else do you control an overgrowing population? Where typically the poorest people um and the le- and the least educated people have the most kids.
2: Um, I don't know, Coliseums.
1: <laughs> <Curse day. laughs> uh what was that, David?
0: Purge Day. Equally bad idea as it is the movie.
1: I still did the, not hear the, it.
0: The purge, P-U-R-G, oh, the purge.
1: The purge. Um, but I mean, really, you're going to have overpopulations that that.
2: Uh, oh, I got another good idea: nuclear-powered schools.
1: Nuclear-powered schools. Where did you come up? Where did you pull that from?
2: The population control.
1: Oh, all right. I mean, uh,
2: if, you, if we irradiate our children.
1: Uh, we get some interesting. Uh, Defects too. Uh, all right, I I think, I think the population is going to start to level off right now. Um, you're seeing huge decline in birth rates across the majority of the world. Um, there's only it depends on where you look. Well, I was just going to say there's only a few places that are really pumping out lots of lots of kids. Africa. Uh, I was thinking Africa and not greater. Asia, but at least India, Latin America, Latin America. Okay. I wonder Raj, can you run what the countries with the highest birth rate is and give us the the top three or four, maybe Um, because I'm, you know, but I,
2: they're going to be all tiny African nations or medium-sized African nations, but no huge
1: nations.
2: They will be Uh, eventually. Well, but that's, they keep this up.
1: Well, they only have so much space.
2: That doesn't matter. Africa has a lot of space. Well, yeah, that's... Africa it does have a lot of space. And also, space doesn't matter. See Japan. They've got yeah. 140 million people in the, in the space the size of California. California has 40 million people.
1: Hmm. Wild. Um, all right. So, as population grows and technology increases we're going to have an issue with employment um, because technology is making people's jobs redundant
2: and you have more the comments, people. not Roch has proven me right.
1: What What's he saying?
0: Niger and Mali are the top two countries with uh, almost seven
2: children per woman.
1: Seven children per woman. Um, in both of those countries.
2: That's an average. That means that there's some women that are having significantly more. That's a lot of pregnancies and a lot of births.
1: Uh, So, but you hear me on this? you, You have more and more people and fewer and fewer jobs. So unemployment is really going to be a big, big issue in the future. And how many skilled laborers can you have? You know, I think I think the skills, the honing of the skills is going to be um, the skills required to do jobs is going to be much, much higher and there's going to be fewer of those jobs.
0: That's why you so, see a big movement towards looking at a universal basic income, because as productivity, productivity increases, you're right. A lot of this is being driven by automation.
1: But where's, that, where's where does that money come from? Corporate tax?
2: Yeah, it comes from uh, yeah. taxing productivity.
1: But corporations have the biggest tax
0: breaks.
2: And that might go away. Well, it would have to 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 pay for
0: this. Yeah,
1: I don't see it going in that direction.
2: Right but Durbin is absolutely right. The the point that you just brought up about increasing population and decreasing availability of jobs is the precise concern that brought uh, brought the idea of universal income to the mainstream. And I think that we really owe a pretty big debt of gratitude to Andrew Yang for being willing to risk making that his platform and really introduce that into the public discourse. Um, Whether or not you think it's a good idea, he made it a serious political topic to discuss and take seriously. That's
0: true. Uh, Right down the road Uh, from me in Stockton, California, you had a pilot program where the results were very, very good, where most people... They actually got into full time work because they they had the UBI to pay for childcare. They didn't have to stay at home taking care of the kids. They could be out looking for a job doing things. Or the I could send I could pull. Up the I, but the, I don't uh, think. Raj, I don't think. Stockton Stockton California Universal Basic Income.
1: I don't think that childcare is the biggest hindrance to people working though.
0: The people a single with mom, kids.
1: Yeah, but I don't. I don't see that as the big determining
0: factor there. You're it, not a single for, mom.
2: Yeah, if it, it, it for people with kids, um, the price of price and availability of childcare is huge.
1: But I think the biggest factor with with work is you have a bunch of people who have little to no skills and little to no education, all competing for jobs, one that most of them don't want anyways, minimum wage jobs, and there's and laborious jobs which probably pay a little more than minimum wage but not everybody can do a laborious job and then the next step up is bachelor's or master's degree requirements to get into other jobs that still don't pay that great but i think there's a big gap between those jobs and the unskilled labor or the hard work manual labor um
2: well, you're, you're kind of addressing a different area than what me and Derv are bringing up, which is if you have the skills to be able to work, but you don't have someone to take care of your kids, that's, that's an immediate impediment to your being able to find employment.
1: Well, my thinking, though, is in the future, there's going to be the employment that you have available in the scenario that you're hypothesizing. I don't think those jobs exist in the future.
0: It doesn't. Well, that doesn't take. Okay, the single mom doesn't have to be not educated. Single dad not educated. I'm not saying she is. Not not not, skilled. I'm not saying so. But let's take that out. That's a separate. That's a separate question. Focus on one thing at a time. We're talking about a single parent trying to find work and the unreliability of childcare. If your babysitter calls out, what do you do? You're supposed to be at work for an eight-hour shift. You stay home. You have to scramble to find something emergency. If, like me, say I have a kid, I don't have any family around here that could come and babysit for a day. So well, just take the skilled, educated labor part out of it. That's a separate question. Single
1: What you said was uh, universal basic income is great because all these single parents can now go back to work and it's really good for the economy that way. And what I said was single parents not being able to work isn't what's holding the economy back. What I'm saying is availability of jobs in the future is holding people back. So, universal basic yeah. income doesn't, doesn't account for that. And I, I don't think no, universal majority... basic
2: income is going to be necessary for a, for a separate reason.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, but
2: how but are what we we're talking that? about is in the present day, implementing uni- universal basic income has other positive effects alongside the long term goal of universal basic income to provide some assurance to people who are no longer going to be employable because of automation and technology advancements and productivity changes. But in the meantime, universal basic income is still a positive thing. And also when it comes to childcare as being a major hindrance for, for people who have kids or whatever, if you think about, if you don't have a job, you have free childcare because you're the one doing it. If you take a job and it costs you 1000 or $2,000 a month, pay for your kid's child care so so that you can work well like you might only be earning 1500 or two thousand dollars a month so you might be working simply so that somebody else can take care of your kid and your yeah, actual I mean, take home after childcare is going to be close to zero um i want to hit on amex's comment saying that there's going to be another pandemic that'll kill off a lot of people and that'll be what keeps uh, population under control
1: well um, i and i have some notes about utopia versus dystopia and I think pandemics, um, you know, is definitely in the more dystopian uh, future future world that we're. You got to be pretty.
0: You got to be pretty dark if you think that's utopian. No,
1: no just dystopian. <laughs> um, but look, so so before we before we move on to this utopia dystopia stuff, um, I think there's also going to be a huge demand for social services in the future. Um, I think the privatization, well, healthcare, um, things along those lines. uh, I think a lot of that is, there's going to be a much bigger demand and I think that's going to be much more publicly funded. The U.S. is, you know, we had a big push for it with Obama. That got a setback. You know, even in Obama's push, his kind of got cut off the knees. Uh, But there was still something And then, you know, Trump uh, dialed that back a little bit more. And then you have Biden who wants to do the same thing. And you have this increasing number of Americans that want uh, universal health care. Because
2: we look at all the other industrialized countries in the world and say, you guys are able to pull it off and it seems to work pretty well. Why can't we?
1: So, but on a world scale, talking about the future, that's what I'm saying is I think there's going to be, a higher demand, which is going to make it happen. But again, where is all this money coming from? Because right now, everybody who's making a lot of money is saving the most money. And those guys don't put that money back into the economy.
0: For healthcare, we spend so much more per capita than every other country that has universal healthcare. It's not a question of paying for it, it's where the money's coming from. We already spend more than any other country on healthcare. Well, we where? The then results. that's when I'm getting
1: it that's what i'm getting at so where is where's the money, money
2: going well the money's coming from you for well from the from workers paying for health insurance and the money's going to health insurance companies and benefit plan managers and stuff and all this administration and middlemen that are set up to preserve a system that doesn't profit the health care providers the the direct health care providers and by that i mean like doctors nurses yeah, etc um, and it doesn't really benefit the patient. But you have a whole bunch of people making a ton of money on in the middle by creating and kind of preserving inefficiencies.
1: Very, very good point. But where does that money come from, what you just said? It comes from the taxpayer, which no. is the salaried worker. Sure. No, no, no. He's, he's right. It
0: comes from taxes, James. It comes from well, taxes. So you stop. You're paying It comes right out of paychecks, I should say. Yeah. Let me finish. You're paying right now out of your paycheck every single month. We pay two, three times as much per capita as every other country that has universal health care. Stop paying your premiums. Pay a tax that's half as much. The consumer, the taxpayer comes out on top. Okay. We spend a so you're equating health
2: insurance to a tax. It's just not a tax paid to the government.
0: I'm saying that if you were to, Justin's first question was, how do we pay for universal basic health care here? Right. Doesn't, well, yeah, doesn't I mean, matter. it is coming out
1: as a tax. It's coming out as your Medicare tax on your on your paycheck if you don't have health insurance. Either way, it's coming out of your paycheck. Well, and, what and I'm saying it's right. a little bit or a lot of it. If you have health, if you have health insurance, you're paying for it. it's coming out of your paycheck. If you yep. don't, and, and so is Medicare. And if you don't have health insurance, Medicare is coming out, but only at a little amount. So I think you could greatly reduce the uh, health insurance by raising just the Medicare amount. Uh, you wouldn't call it Medicare. You'd call it, there'd be another tax for it, but by just a little bit for everybody. But really, I think it's got to come from the big corporations and the corporate tax rates.
0: Well, they're already paying for a lot of your health care. If, if you work for, for me, I work for a company that provides uh, its employer-sponsored health care. So they're paying some, I'm paying some, If they're just to cut out the private nature of the private premiums and to make this a universal government federal tax everyone would be better off
1: what's what give me a good argument against this corporate tax because corporations are taxed on their profitability not on their revenue Mm -hmm. right so
0: i'm not arguing against the corporate tax
1: no but i'm saying what i'm saying is i need a good it just doesn't make sense that we don't increase the corporate tax rate because Corporations are taxed on their profitability, not on their revenue, whereas people are taxed on their revenue, not how much money is left. So what I mean is if a company makes $10 million a year and they have $5 million a year in expenses, they only pay tax for the most part on five, on the remaining $5 million. Whereas if you're a person and you make $100,000 a year salary, you get taxed on $100,000 a year, regardless of what your expenses are. So the company, uh, not mostly not it's necessarily, close enough.
2: it's close enough.
1: Well, I mean, yes, we could, but you're—it's uh, uh, close enough. Thank you, James.
2: But let's not get into like all the different deductions and everything else. Otherwise, it'll be an hour-long podcast just on that, and we'll have zero viewers three minutes in. Yeah. Um, uh, so, the, and- so the argument against raising the corporate tax rate—not that I agree with it—but the argument against that is that the more profits you allow a corporation to keep the more they're going to be able to grow their business in the future and be able to create more jobs and growth. And that by lowering corporate taxes, corporations will be able to invest more, which has downstream effects in the economy through higher demand for the from the corporation needing things and also higher demand for labor as the corporation hires and grows more people.
1: But, but some of these behemoth corporations don't need to grow to the fact that they're being challenged for even being monopolies. And Well,
2: and there's also the practical consideration that when corporate tax rates were lowered in 2018 um, what a lot of corporations did was increase dividends and increase share buybacks, which reward shareholders and large stake and and other stakeholders in the company and didn't really help the employees because the money didn't go into growing the company or rewarding the employees. It went to rewarding the executives and the stockholders of a company, stockholders, which, are which doesn't exactly really help the economy the because the, the, the major stockholders in a company are already super rich because they own a ton of stock in that company or whatever. So the you already have a high net wealth yeah. and now you're just getting more money because the company is taking that corporate tax rate and just throwing it back at the shareholders.
1: Well, I think so that's the but, argument against it. But it's we're just so slow and so bureaucratic and so divisive that. I, I think I think that that's a really good argument for just kind of America being or the United States being unable to stop this momentum we have going in the wrong direction. Um, and that it's just it's not going to happen here. And this is not going to be the place to live in another 50 or 75 years. Or well, less. the
2: question is, who has the power?
1: Well, uh, the people with money. So, and I think, and we have a growing, uh, you know, amount of people in poverty, uh, and a disappearing middle-class. And it, it, you know, if, if you have this poverty class growing, they don't have the power. There might be a lot of them, but they're getting, they're, they're having less and less and less. So if it, if it was disappearing, you would say, oh, well, they're, they actually have some pull, but right now they don't. And, you know, and, and they're being fed scraps. And they're getting by on scraps.
2: So what's the number one thing that you need to have to be able to run successfully for office?
1: Votes. But
2: here no, that's can... what you need to win the office. I'm talking okay. about to successfully run for office. I, to I, be able to get the votes, what do you need to have? I don't know. Man. You need to have funding to be able to get your campaign going. It's very difficult with very few exceptions of people that are like – The example that I would say is the exception would be like AOC, but she's in a district that's small enough that she can walk from one end of her district to another in like an hour and a half. Yeah. So unless you're in a a geographically small and relatively homogenous district, then you need to have the money to be able to travel and pay for events and satisfy the people that are going to get more people to vote for you. And how do you do that? By raising money. Where does the money come from? The money comes from businesses and people in those businesses that have a lot of money. And they're not giving you the money because they think that your ideas are great. They're giving you money because they think that they are going to be able to get something of value for exactly. their contribution.
1: So so where are you going with this, though? Well... What 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 I, what my, my, what I was saying what I was saying is that America's got too much momentum going in the wrong direction, and it's 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 the Titanic heading towards an iceberg. No matter how hard you pull on that wheel, we there's I'm I'm hypothesizing that there may be no missing it. We we might just be doomed in fifty or seventy five years.
2: Well, you have to find a way of reducing the monetary influence in politics.
1: Is is that possible?
2: it's possible
1: you know i told you guys the other day when when i have agents that come to me and they ask me for help when a deal when something's going on with the deal you know i tell people look i can you know i can keep you from sliding off the road when you're driving on the highway but if it's icy out and you're already doing 80 miles an hour careening off the side of the road i can't keep your your deal from hitting a tree so you know are we that far off mark that there's no correcting this and I, think I, you have some, I think there is. I, I think I think oh, there's no way we can correct it. And that's my kind of dystopian argument.
0: I kind of agree with that because you see right now with different states, they saw Georgia, a perfect example, went for a Democrat for the first time since 1992. What are they doing? They're trying to take away the franchise of being able to vote easy and freely. They're taking away a decent amount of early voting. They're taking away any ballot drop boxes. They're eliminating any properties or mail-in voting and gerrymandering, where instead of the voters choosing their elected representative, the elected representatives are choosing who they want to represent. (laughs) Look at some of the different districts. They're they're crazy. Uh, So what they're doing is they're entrenching themselves in power, minority rule. If you look at the Senate, it's so heavily skewed towards the states where nobody lives. North Dakota and South Dakota have four senators and they have less than one fifth the population of California does. Is that fair? Does that make sense? Washington DC has more people than Montana does, but they're not a state. They don't get any representation, not even a single vote in the house that counts. So you have really, really entrenched interests. And like James said, the States that have these senators, you can't, you can't go door to door, like you can in AOC's district in New York City, where she can knock on doors and do that fairly quickly. You have to have the funding to be able to pay for everything to go out and do this huge thing, mailers,
1: events. You know, we don't live so in that. a we don't live in a dictatorship where the people in power have absolute power. We live in a democratic republic where p- people believe that they have the power, yet they're just being duped. And the people in power actually have absolute power. It's just a bit more tricky that they have to put this kind of uh wizard of oz type of smoke screen and give people the idea that that the people are in charge. Um but and I think it's getting worse. I think it's I think it's getting more wizard of oz with the fact that like literally everybody can see behind the fucking curtain and we are just like oh well that's going on well you know let's do something about it except what we're doing literally you, you know these protests are just tearing apart our local communities.
2: Well let's think about it like this You run for office and you get elected. You get elected in the system that currently exists. And you were able to successfully navigate it and get the money and everything that you needed to get elected. So now once you're elected, the system now favors you. Why are you going to make a change to the system that allowed you in? Why would you make it easier for other people in the future to unseat you?
1: So, but it's, you that,
2: have you have this conflict of interest. As soon as you get well, elected, you're disincentivized from changing the system to make it free, more free and more open.
1: So, but I, I think we're all kind of on the same page then that we are heading in the wrong direction, and it doesn't yeah. sound it doesn't sound like there's any any redirection there, any redirection I, that that can be great, great enough and sharp enough to point us in the right direction. Well, you I have don't to have, just start I don't see somewhere.
0: Any Right now, I mean, not in the next ten years. You see, we're about to go through another redistricting after the census. I think it's going to be worse than it was in 2010. You have state houses that get to decide who who they get to represent, and they make it so. You have North Carolina where a court said with almost uh surgical precision attempting to disenfranchise voters of color and Democrats and just entrench. They 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 had less than 50% of the vote in North Carolina, the Republicans, and they had 60-70% of the seats. It's bullshit. It's
2: minority rule. Well, and the court said, you guys can't do that anymore? And then the Republicans were like, yeah, we see the, the court ruling that you said, but we're still going to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, look, you know, he they could, they could work around the the recent census data, but I think the recent census data is probably the least accurate census that's ever, ever, ever been done
2: because it was designed to be,
1: but you know, I think, yeah, maybe it was, but you know, I think, uh, you know, if they just took the Facebook user data, they'd have, they'd have better numbers than with the the census that they, they just did, you know, and maybe it's, yeah, maybe to a degree, it's, uh, It is designed to be um, because, you know, what's the data that they're looking for? You know, you have uh, like I think of New York City where you have this huge immigrant population and all these people that basically aren't really citizens uh, and they're not being counted at all. And they're actively not trying to be counted. And then I feel like the census workers are also not trying to count them.
0: So,
2: well, the reason why they didn't want to be counted is because they were afraid that by being counted, they would now be on the radar as undocumented or something like that, and that they might risk deportation or other consequences. Exactly. But the reason why. So the reason why the census was kind of kneecapped this year, there's two main factors. One is COVID. It just made it harder for people to get counted because I don't know
1: how we just went through the census when they're like, yeah, come knock on our door and talk to us. We're
2: we're going to answer. Right. So that's the first problem is that like the, the physical counting of people. So like I, when I did the census, I was able to just fill it online easy, but not everyone does that. And so that's why you have the people actually walking neighborhoods and counting people. But the other reason that it was kneecapped was that the Trump administration and the department of commerce, Cha- made changes to the questionnaire specifically designed to discourage certain people from answering it.
1: Um, um, yeah, I know. I and, know. And,
2: and this isn't just like, this isn't a tinfoil hat theory. This is like, the, the, they, they they said it. They said they this is their, what we want to do. They have the emails. Like, right. Like, this no, is, I, like I, I'm not putting words in someone's mouth. These words came out of someone's mouth. Um, yeah. And the reason for that was that the, the Trump administration was assuming that it was going to get reelected and that it wanted to create census data that would further entrench their advantages like ge- geographically across the United States by increasing populations in areas that favored them and decreasing populations of people that tended to not support them.
1: I that, but I mean, wild. Do you know that there wasn't a Hispanic option uh, on it? uh there was black asian or white um which i i thought was in, absolutely insane how that even makes sense uh i don't know if you guys paid any attention to that probably because uh, i filled be it out, out. <laughs> <laughs> what, filled it out that so long ago?
2: ago i ticked off black
1: yeah well uh, you're supposed to use the blue ink, I think actually. So I want to talk about um, I want to talk about the singularity um, which you know we may need to hold off on a little bit until the subsequent episode. But what are you guys thoughts on this sing- singularity argument where you have basically all the machines and the AI have all the knowledge, and are basically fighting back against the, the humans the terminator judgment day type apocalyptic idea
0: i don't think they'd have to do all that much all they'd have to do is just turn off the internet and drop a couple satellites out of the air and we'd be done if the ais could want to fight us all they'd have to do is turn off power.
2: Ruby, but then how are they getting the power oh, they could they could route it they closed
1: closed network yeah uh, I, I, you know, I. You
2: I just, think they wouldn't even need to turn off the power; just turn off the plumbing.
0: <laughs> so
2: look, so <laughs> New here, York here's, City evacuates. They already did that in
0: San Francisco. They have an app for it. <laughs> look, turn so, off the app.
1: <laughs> so
2: look, God damn look, it. can't go outside.
1: So, in terms of the, my argument against the singularity, is that in the next ten to fifteen years, people are going to have so much bionic technology. Um, where technology is kind of part of the human where it's, you know, you're connected to the network, especially we're talking about Neuralink and things like that. So my thinking against this singularity was that humans are going to have the same capability as machines minus the exoskeleton. Um, but
2: would you if, get a Neuralink?
1: I, I, I wouldn't be one of the first ones to sign up, but hell yeah, I would get it um, down the line. And I I'd need to make sure that technology was, Like, I totally get an electric car if the driving experience is better. You know, like, I I don't give a shit what the car is powered by, but when there's no exhaust, the car doesn't make any noise, and you might as well be using a Sega controller because you're not shifting, you're not doing any of that stuff. That's not fun for me. So when you can can bring, you know, engine noise, and you can bring shifting, and you can enhance the experience, I don't give a shit if it's electric or not. So Neuralink, if it's just going to make me be able to play Pong, and you know now I have to shave my head, shame. Uh, you know to implant some stuff into my brain like that's not cool. But when you know I can turn the fucking microwave on, uh, you know, and and not zonk out. Uh, you know, like I'm cool. With that. Well, if I if I can walk in a big the house and turn, if you the, turn the
2: microwave on. on, microwaves interfere with Wi-Fi signal. So
1: yeah, well, uh, hopefully the the microwave itself has some good shield shield on it um but yeah i'm all for the new link. but what i was saying is that my i i was going to propose the argument that we have this singularity and they take over and then my my anti-argument to that was that humans are going to be just as in the network so it, it doesn't you know they're not fighting against anything but david just brought up a good point um and and you know the the AI having a closed network where they continue to grow and evolve and be in power, and they just cut out the humans. And so, so you know, that's back kind of towards my singularity AI I
0: takeover. I, I don't think it's likely. I think it's still far more likely that any singularity-like catastrophe is going to be by design of some human or state, like the North Koreans decide to fuck with the world and somehow knock out every country, take out the satellites, the GPS satellites. That would be massively disruptive. And then a couple choice power plants that would destroy so much. We would be in the, I mean, you hear about the worries about a solar flare, an uh, EMP coming and just wiping out all the infrastructure it would fry power lines. It would destroy plants. It would take us
2: decades. to sort of Well, we're actually like kind that. of heading in that direction right now in the crisis of our own designing with space junk where. Yeah. You, you can you reach a certain point where there is just kind of a cascade effect where like you get enough debris that you can't launch anything up and the stuff that's that's already in orbit is just going to have increasing probabilities of being caught by some space debris which when it yep. hits creates more space debris and it's just you go over kind of the cliff's edge and, and then so. for some period of time you'd have to wait decades probably for all the stuff to orbitally decay before the atmosphere the the space atmosphere would clear up again.
1: What about just a, a couple of big big ass magnets in orbit? Do you think that would help?
2: The the best idea that I've heard so far is actually seeding low earth orbit with I think it's like a silicon silicon oxide, so basically super fine almost sand that would be slightly magnetically conductive and that would have the effect of basically pulling stuff down out of orbit and then burning up in the Earth's atmosphere. It would require huge volumes of it, but you just wanna get the small stuff out because even something the size of like a fleck of paint or whatever, if it's going 14,000 miles an hour will cause a lot of problems.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really, really good point that I didn't even think about. Do, Do satellites collide often?
2: No, there was one a couple years ago where China tested a satellite missile to be able to take like uh, another government satellite out. So they tried it on one of their own satellites. So they detonated a missile like 90 miles above the earth or whatever and blew up a satellite, which created a satellite's worth, like size of particulates. So, like, when, off. so oh, yeah, it was super irresponsible.
1: Well, but again, yeah, that's, um, you know, I, I, I have a, that's just bad. But I, I have an idea for a, a future episode where we kind of discuss good and evil and, and really what the difference is, because I don't think there's that much of a difference. I just think there's kind of this moral compass that, that guides the generally good. But, um, but, you know, China doing something so dumb like that and careless is definitely on the evil side of the spectrum. You know, at least from our perspective. But again, that's the perspective of good versus evil. Um all right, guys, we're coming to an end. Um we had a bit of a rocky start. I got a new setup here. Um but I'd like these these futurist talks. So I want to get into it a little bit more. The next one, David, if you can join us great. If you can't maybe we'll still be talking about future stuff. Moving forward, I did have a handful of viewers and listeners reach out with some future ideas. Um,
2: Let's make a list and then put them together into topics.
1: And I asked people when they would travel to and where they could travel to if they could jump through space and time. Um, so, next episode, James, we can share some of their answers um, and what people would do if they could travel to the past or the future. Uh, not just when and where you would go, but what you would do. So,
2: Probably a German art school. (laughs) Today's his birthday. (laughs)
0: You Um, know,
2: he could have been a great artist, but he chose the easy path. (laughs) Moving
1: on. (laughs) So uh, on that note, guys, thank you for joining. Guys that are watching on TikTok, thank you for joining. Those of you watching on Instagram, thank you for joining. Those watching on Facebook, thank you for joining. Rosh Galeb. Thank you very much. Rosh, for anybody who's listening to us, is in the background. He's reading all your comments and feeding us the comments through the chat feature we have here. Uh, He's awesome. He kicks ass. And he's definitely helping uh, us enhance the live viewer participation and experience. He's doing a great job. So thank you for that, Rosh. Thank you, David and and James, for joining. And uh, I will catch you guys next time. Later. Adios, guys. All right. That's the end of the episode. Uh, Yes, I am driving because we're always moving brother. We're always moving doesn't stop Um, But I wanted to thank you for joining us for this episode if you have not already subscribe and please make sure to share this
0: (sighs) Fuck me
2: I like PBR. I just got priced out of it